0: It feels like a Wednesday today, doesn't it? Yeah, it's Thursday, it, doesn't it? Yeah, all day long.
1: Are you recording? Yeah. Do I head for lunch? Go You'll on. never guess. It's an odd combination. So I got spicy Mexican rice. I put in garlic and sage prawns in with unflavoured streaky bacon. You fucking freak! Yeah. Prawns and bacon is a, is one of the true uh,
0: like hidden combos that people never get.
1: Yeah, oh, prawns and bacon go together. You know oh. what? it have been really nice if you had like, like you, prawns, bacon, and some like pineapple on a cracker. Mm. You don't even want to know, like that is. Oh, yeah, I am um, prawns and bacon go together
0: like popcorn and Maltesers. They're just so good.
1: I just don't like. I don't the texture of Maltesers is not something I'm down with. There's something about them. It's like it's like the some. Maltesers taste like the sound of Velcro to me. That's what they sound. That's what they taste <laughs> like. And that makes perfect sense when I say that out loud. I love them.
0: I think they're a great, uh, a great snack.
1: I ordered from, well, I was getting that um, unflavored butternut, are they on the low calorie butternut, butternut, buttersquatch, butterscotch? butterscotch, butterscotch, butterscotch sauce. Yeah, uh, from, and there it's, they had like. Maltese are like protein balls, you know. So obviously, I bought them, you know, yeah. because there was half a kilo of them for a tenner. So obviously, I bought them. There was why wouldn't I buy them? And uh, you're a fat I'm kid
0: wrapped them. up in an athlete's body.
1: <laughs> I sure am. I'm such a little fatty, like 100. You love them such so a f- much. I love food. I'm up. I just love eating foods. Like what? Yeah. In fairness, if I need to. If I need to do something in nutrition, I will do it. And there's no problem. Oh, absolutely. You know?
0: And to be fair to you, you do, like, most of the time, you're fairly good.
1: But if you unleash me, like, there's just no fucking... Oh, you're like, ridiculous. Someone... There was four kinder Buenos there yesterday, and obviously, I put a kinder Bueno on my, my old pancakes this morning. Oh, like, shit. obviously, obviously, why would you not? Do you know? Yeah. Um, I fucking... But it's good for your mental health, which is the subject of today's <laughs> podcast, to segue in there. Yeah. Um, And look... So basically... It's not
0: oxymoronic Like it's not lost on us That we're going to call this Why we don't comment on mental health And we're going to do a podcast on mental health Right uh, But I think Gurf is a very good introduction to this Because we were talking about it earlier
1: So this got started So Fitz obviously is, is very qualified to comment on mental health I am I'm an ogre when it comes to mental health and psychology For other people Especially my lifters But it gets the job done for, for the lifters who I coach You know we develop a relationship Where you don't tell me your problems and I tell you don't tell me your problems and you shut the fuck up and you get the job done and uh, it works very well and people progress and that's all that matters. So we were, Fitz is doing a video on mental health. So he's talking about the link between exercise and mental health. So he's just doing a YouTube series on it. Uh, Fitz, obviously I don't, people who listen this podcast for a long time, know Fitz is a master's in sports psychology and undergrad in exercise, sports science like was involved like was active with his sports psychology masters like Fitz was into it, you know, it was the subject he was in like I wouldn't have been calling myself a biochemist when I left college and I sure wouldn't call myself one now. But Fitz would have been would have been involved in it. You know, Fitz was something it was uh it was kind of a thing for him, you know, and you, you were very near doing a PhD. And I think if Sika hadn't been a thing, you probably would have ended up doing that PhD realistically. Absolutely, yeah. But we had we had other plans, uh, plans to make you money other than, as opposed to PhDs, which don't, not anymore anyway. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, anyway, so Fitz was making a video and this kind of, a couple of years ago, there was like a severe spike. Say what? Well, five years ago, I'd say something, the there was a severe spike on social media about people who started talking about mental health. But who should not be talking about mental health was the way I would have put it, you know so like I think the lines between and again, the irony of this podcast isn't last in us but as if you're a podcast listeners, you'll know um we're nothing if you know idiots, but people started talking about mental health because they had mental health, you know people started talking about mental health like they they were experts in it because it experienced the symptoms of mental health or mental health issues, you know, and it it always struck me as something that was incredibly just crazy to be honest. It was something that always kind of really annoyed me. And I was, it's just self-diagnosed self-diagnosing mental health issues saying they had insert random, you know, generalized anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia, depression, you know, any number of these things. Right. And not people should be able to talk about their mental health you know it definitely was at a period or it used to be at a point where people especially in Ireland mental health was something that was not talked about enough or not talked about you know you couldn't talk about it if you needed to talk about it like there certainly wasn't that kind of cultural acceptance that you could have mental health problems you know but then we got a kind of the the pendulum swung in the opposite direction and we ended up with people talking about their mental health like they were experts in it because they experienced it now a lot of these people didn't get clinical diagnosis of mental health. They didn't go to a psychiatrist or a, or a therapist or, or both of those, whichever is appropriate. And they didn't get diagnosed with this over... Those things, I'm on, I'm vaguely aware, take a very long time to diagnose, apparently. They, they take a lot of work to diagnose these things. And people were then on social media talking about what helped them with depression. But very often, I think, not very often, but as often as not, people kind of mistook their mental health diagnosis with life is a difficult thing to do. And very often it's very difficult. And we make the assumption, I think when we look at other people, we're like, Oh, they have it easy inside my head. I'm all, it's always turmoil. So I must have anxiety because it looks like other people don't have mental health issues. So then we get a problem. So initially talking about the problem didn't seem like a huge issue because it, it seemed like it was a good idea to talk about things. Right. But then if you get someone who says, and this is just, I'm really, we really want to make it clear. We're not targeting anyone in particular. So we get, Social media influencer, A, athlete, B, whatever you want, they come along. They had a bit of anxiety. They were worried about a future problem in their life. So they come along. They start talking about insert therapeutic, non-clinical reference uh, journaling. They start journaling. Their anxiety goes away with time rather than probably from the journaling because they solve that issue coming up for them or whatever their issue was. They just finished college and they had an extreme life crisis, which everybody who finishes college has. So they experience this, their source of their anxiety goes away, but then they assume rather than realizing that the life problem went away, there was a journaling. So they go on social media and they start talking about their journaling and they go, Oh, I've been journaling and self-affirmation. Every morning I read my journal and every evening I journal in the evening and uh, got rid of my anxiety. So someone watching this, someone who's suffering from actual generalized anxiety, someone who's, you know, deeply entrenched in general anxiety from what I've heard and I have zero concept to this, but apparently it's atrocious. It's something incredibly, like living with it is 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 horrendous, you know. So this person sees a social media post, like anybody who has any kind of issue, grabs at any kind of straw to assess their issues. You know, I had knee pain in the last few weeks, and I was looking at any possible avenue to eliminate my source of knee pain. If someone on, on their influence posts, on an Instagram post, that they had really bad knee tendinitis, and they said they rub tissue paper on it every day at four o'clock, I would have been like maybe that sounds kind of plausible so these people then with generalized health things or anxiety or whatever saw this instagram post or facebook post or youtube video and this person said that the journaling worked very well for them so this person with actual with a genuinely mental health illness came along did their journaling and it didn't work so what does that person feel like then do they go Maybe gen, maybe journaling isn't an effective tool to help my generalized anxiety. Or do they go because they have anxiety? Do they go? Fuck, I'm really fucked. If this is not working for me, then nothing's going to work for me because this person, my favorite influencer, someone who I really look up to, you know, you're at a vulnerable point in your life because you have, you're going through a mental health crisis, and you look at this person you look up to, and they go, will it work for them? And they're someone I really aspire to. So then, does that make me piece of shit? You know, then you end up with probably worse than before and all you have is a end of fiver on a journal that didn't do anything for you. Yeah. And that's that's where the danger comes. Um,
0: and that's where the danger in like social media fucking shithead comes, you know, because like if a if a weightlifter tells you to buy the yoga pants they're lifting in and you go and buy the yoga pants they're lifting in and your ass doesn't look great and then there's no real danger in that. There's no real Like, your ass doesn't look good and you've wasted 70 euro on a pair of Gymshark leggings, but the danger isn't that dangerous. And it's the same way where, like, if a bodybuilding coach goes and tells you to do this program to get bigger biceps in three months, and you spend three months on it, yeah, you've wasted three months and you don't have bigger arms. uh, But it's still not dangerous yet. uh, And, like, people are equally unqualified in both of those things, yet they still comment on them. But the common thing of treatment of mental health disorders or treatment of the apparent symptoms coming from an undiagnosed health disorder is incredibly dangerous. And what brings us back and like the reason we don't comment on this is like you have a certain professional obligation to comment on things you're qualified on. And to be honest, even if I'm qualified to to speak on something but yet cannot take action on something. So I've no interest in, in giving somebody advice that can't be Followed up with and can't be ensured that that advice is taken in the right tone or taken in the right context. So even if we have a paper that pops up with incredibly positive findings that, uh, okay, non-diagnosed mental health order A is treated very well with exercise intervention B, I still don't want to tell people this because although some people might find it helpful or they might just find it novel and interesting and they'll watch the video it's going to be detrimental if in the case that one outline there where somebody who has a general or a genuine um, severe issue tries to self-treat or self-intervene and that doesn't work. The severity of this is like really hammered home. So in the master's program in UL, you do uh, a week of what they call summer school. So they fly in some of the best performance at sports psychologists, exercise psychologists from all over the world. Some of the most published authors in the area, so like Jurgen Beckman would be like a fucking superstar of that, uh, of that arena for all oh my you God, all Jürgen. you dorks out there. So they fly these guys in. Um, one of these guys is the head of performance for the uh, for the Holland's Olympic team, right? So he's the head performance psychologist. I don't know they have fifteen sports psychologists working under him, and they have clinical psychologists working under him as well. And I think his wife was a clinical psychologist working in the same university. So it's like, you can imagine what that master's class is like, right? It's a load of athletes or a load of sports people. Um, not that many, actually, by the end of it. But uh, you have people who are incredibly interested in performance, some from a business point of view, some from a sports point of view. You have some people who are there for like, you want high performance, you're not really bothered about anything else. And I would put myself still in that category, like my interest in psychology falls in the realms of performance psychology not in the realms of of general health um i would have done clinical psychology if i wanted to do that but so then when we start asking questions and you're with these people for a week so you they're like you're not on campus in the university you're out in a different place they just rent this place for a week and you start asking questions and you can kind of see that like some questions are really well received and other questions aren't that well received uh, and one of these speakers in particular, people were asking like, youth athletes, what should you be doing with them? How do you form a mental training program for a youth athlete? How do you monitor if you if these are effective? And he's like, you're missing the fucking point. He's like, everyone thinks me going to the Olympics and my athlete bombing in the final uh, or my hockey team having a fight the day before the final is Is the biggest failing a sports psychologist can have? He's like the biggest failing sports psychologists have is not noticing red flags and your athlete killing themselves. And he's like, this is something that happens last year. So no way. Yeah, and that like that's the nature of high performance sport. Like it's the nature of life in general is that some people are going to have incredibly serious clinical conditions, and it is in no way your place or anybody's place to start telling people how to treat these on your fucking instagram profile because you have a blue tick or because you have a hundred thousand followers or whatever so that's why where like the genesis of today comes from that's where the genesis of the video series comes from is that
1: i will not be on this video series
0: (laughs) (laughs) well we might do some of the imagery stuff in the performance psychology like this is going to be a mixture between like um what literature said around around mental health and sport high performance sport and mental health and then the the kind of meat and gravy will will be performance psychology so like mental imagery training uh how to get super psyched up how to deal with losses how to deal with victories
1: you know what we should do we should um because obviously we have access to a couple of good lifters we yeah. should ask like gabriel with um aaron Kroll. Uh, anyone else I'm thinking of that we've had me so maybe that like a few minute segment on what they think before lifts yeah so that'd like be great a spiel and then we'll cut to them
0: yeah so yeah. I think we'd probably that would be a really good video on like pre-performance routines Um. so that's what like the next few weeks is going to look like in terms of what these videos will be but that is the the genesis it's like please stop fucking commenting on how people should treat their mental health with like chamomile tea and whatever jogging on the spot for 10 minutes every morning while you chant uh
1: and like there's a you know we don't ever comment on injuries on physical injuries to people you know so like your ligaments joints back whatever your injury might be you know we don't comment that because they're sources of those and treatments and those are as diverse and unpredictable as as in- are, are even attentive as predictable or diverse as your mental health issues you know they they are, have so much more into them there's so much more that their diagnosis for those and treatments are I would imagine you know incredibly random and effective varying the like the varying degrees of effectiveness change massively depending on the person and probably who's doing the treatment and what time of day it was you know it, like if you look at Uh, physical injury recovery literature like they have a term and i mentioned this before i think maybe maybe it wasn't a podcast but someone else but they have a term called spontaneous recovery and it's called spontaneous recovery because it's spontaneous and it's not spontaneous because magic happened it's spontaneous because they don't know what happened and they don't know why it happened but they know it just happens and it's across a lot of like sports injury rehab papers they will say uh, after eight weeks no spontaneous recovery happened basically that means that they didn't know what happened so if you yeah if you think knee tendinitis has been around for a very long time, it's been studied for a very long time. You would, you could only imagine what mental health issues must like and look like in that regard. So, you know, going on to your story and talking about journaling, it's no bueno. It's not it. You know, and it's very unfair on people. There's one thing to tell people to try. You know, if you have knee tendinitis and I'll, and like I'll in my video I'll talk about I did knee, um, uh, isometrics. You know, it's one thing to tell people about that and say that's what I did right. I've no idea if it's going to work for your knee pain, but it might be worth the try because worst case scenarios, nothing happens, right? But the worst case scenario, well, it's there's a potential someone could get worse, okay? But very, very unlikely. And the thing with that kind of pain is you can stop if it gets worse. You can stop if it gets too painful. But when it comes to mental health, if you tell someone, you know, you we've talked about this before, right? You you don't like mindfulness. It you're just kind of person, you just have no interest in that. And it's not like you're not an intrinsically thoughtful person, you just don't enjoy it. So you you don't have any obtuse mental health issues that we know about yet, but, you know, you could very easily end up in a scenario where you try some of these things and it could make things worse. Like you've no idea if that will happen or not. You just don't know. You can't say for sure that won't happen. You know, you yeah. can't tell someone like I can only imagine a scenario if you have like generalized anxiety and you sit alone with your thoughts for 30 minutes in a dark room. I can't imagine how much worse it could possibly get.
0: But we don't have to imagine that because they've done studies on it. And giving mm-hmm. people with GAD, like generalized anxiety disorder, giving them a mindfulness intervention makes them so much worse. Like it heightens anxiety levels so much more. Like, and this is the thing. It's like all of these studies are done. Yet people, obviously they have absolutely no qualifications, no idea what they're talking about. And they're like, mindfulness yeah. really works well. You know, um, I started using the CAM app and I, I feel it's great. Yeah, it, yeah, helps yeah. Me, <laughs> it helps helps me go to sleep. And then you're like, if you give that to somebody in x condition they might never sleep for a week you know like that will yeah. literally make them so much worse uh yeah it's hilarious well it's not hilarious it's, it's it's fucking negligent
1: it's funny because i suppose in the performance realm a lot of athletes do tend to you know athletes are people's heroes and people look up to athletes yeah. and it's kind of why we're on the podcast talking about that i suppose it, it does play in a lot of athletes who talk about that and they go um and they will go on you know use their social media platforms to promote things and the worst part is it's like the road to hell was paved to good intentions in this regard so no one's trying to make anyone's mental health worse and i'm not saying I, there's genuinely no one we're calling out here just no it's just a plethora of experiences you know we've all seen it anyone can think of any couple of examples but they may or may not have had a mental health issue maybe they did but again they shouldn't have been there they And if they did have a mental health issue, they're like, "Okay, I know how bad this was. So I really want to help people, Mm. you know, if if I can help anyone with this. But then again, the road to hell was paved with good intentions and good social media posts and, you know, positive content of what you thought was positive. Like, you know, for people will say things, they'll say, if this only helps one person and one person messaged you, but you've no idea how many people this made worse. Like, they're not going to message you and say this made worse because they'll probably blame themselves realistically for that scenario
0: and that's the thing like you never the thing that really annoys me right is that like oh the the classic saying if this helps one person right it doesn't matter if it helped 500 people if it makes one person worse to the level whereby like now it now it, it is a very very serious issue it doesn't matter how many people you hurt like you helped it doesn't matter that everyone feels great in the morning um or it doesn't matter that people hit PBs cuz they slept better like what matters is you made one person worse and the severity of making somebody worse is incredibly high. Uh, the, the, like, the, um, th- this is, so I'm, I have to agree with you there, right? The road to hell is paved with good intentions and I think, absolutely people have good intentions when they talk about this, right? I can't think of one nefarious case whereby somebody's just using this for content or they think it's going to get them more clicks or likes or subscribes, whatever it is. Um, But it definitely gets people more clicks and more likes and more subscriptions. And it, it definitely yeah. virtue signals the shit out of people when they're like, I'm being super, I'm being super um, positive mental health or I'm being whatever it is, insert nice phrase here, right? I'm being uh, mental health positive or whatever it is. The example I'm going to give now, I'm like, I don't think anyone had bad intentions here, but this was bad, right? So so the example of using uh, keeping people's mental health or keeping people sane during COVID-19 by keeping gyms open, in my opinion, is kind of like toting this mental health card. Like, It's the flashy topic. It for a fact, if it's brought up in government buildings, it's going to get traction for basically keeping your business open or allowing you as an athlete to train more or allowing you to feel not so bad for being in isolation, right? In fact, something that will probably have more of an effect on a vast population of people is being able to meet their friends, being able to go to work, being able to have normal routines. But unfortunately, we're not able to do any of that either. So Pointing to exercise and the use of exercise in the treatment of mental health conditions is, in my opinion, just somebody being like, oh, this is a hot, flashy topic and I think it's going to get some traction. And nobody will listen to us if we talk about physical health anymore because we've toted that line way too much and nobody cares about the obesity epidemic. So we're going to talk about the mental health epidemic.
1: I just want to tell the story and it's totally unrelated to what you're saying. Go on. They, um, wait. No, it's not a related. Oh yeah, so you you were saying about say if you help five hundred people but you hurt like one person, have you ever you know the psychopath the psychopath test or the kind of like uh, scenarios tests where they would give people so you're the conductor on a train or the conductor on a train has died or whatever or you'd have to push the conductor in front of the train to save five lives, or you divert the train to kill two people. They did it with kids recently, and um, it was it was f- save five dogs or kill three people. And I think more the the high, more kids chose to save the five dogs <laughs> and kill the three humans because they were like five animals or five lives is more than three lives, you know. Than they than the kids who did the other way around, you know, which I think is kind of <laughs> morbid but funny. Yeah, and they reckon like that, you know, saving human lives is a learned characteristic rather than, you know, something you develop. But
0: that like.
1: I can think of five dogs, I'd say, or three, any, a couple of three humans.
0: I can think of two anyway. <laughs> I, like, on the point of um psychological experiments on kids, right, and this is, like, one of the funny things, but it's also quite depressing, right? When you look at uh success in life and inverted commas, and I, as far as I remember in this, they were looking at uh, incomes over 80,000 US dollars, right? So um, success in a career is more like it, um so they do a delayed gratification test and everyone will have heard of this where you can get one marshmallow. Now, if we come back in two hours time and you, we, if you still have your marshmallow, we'll give you two. They were able to predict to within like some crazy amount, um, people's future earning potentials and their ability as a four year old to delay gratification. So no. yeah. Oh, to, uh, to a crazy amount. I didn't look into the study, but I remember reading this and being like, oh fuck. <laughs> like yeah, it, it's important. so funny because people do these tests on kids and they're like, oh, these have no real bearing on anything. It's like the fucking human brain is a human brain that doesn't change that much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Saving. I don't know. I wonder what I'd done if I was a kid. I would I would I have eaten the two of them.
0: It's so hard With to cabbage. know, isn't it? Because you can't remember. You can't remember what yeah. you were like back then.
1: Well, I can remember I wanted to drive nails into wood. That was my, pr- my favourite thing to do, to be honest. Um,
0: oh, I got a bag of four-inch nails for Christmas one year. It was one of the best presents you could ever get. Just a bag of year, nails.
1: One year for Christmas, right, they got me... My parents got me a fake set of, like... You know, it was like, uh, put the the screw in the screw hole and put the nail in the nail hole yeah. or whatever but I was like this is harsh shit <laughs> and then obviously I got my nails and started driving the nails into the thing instead and I was happier yeah like there was a, kids
0: the know what's up like you know like my my niece and nephews would always be up around the house here and you know what like the playroom in our house looks mental and mm-hmm. but like it's not that far away from the garage where there's, like, vice grips and pliers and all that and they're always down in the garage because they're obviously obsessed with the things that can hurt them. Um, But I went into the playroom the other day and there was just two vice grips, like, latched onto the side of, like, a Black & Decker fake workbench (laughs) where they'd obviously been like, my plastic pliers isn't quite up to the job here, so let me go and get, like, proper full-on vice grips and clamp them onto it. Uh, Uh,
1: They're dead right, though. Yeah.
0: So, like... To get into some of the meat and gravy today, and it, we're not going to go into like the fucking science and neurochemistry stuff here. If you want that, go and watch the YouTube video. The link to that will be in the comments. But some of the stuff around exercise and mental health in general, like we we've done videos on like uh, sports, sports psychology. Like, uh, what have we done videos on? Garf? I think we did some on framing. We did some oh, on. Done a lot of mental psychology, kind of like yeah, yeah. Uh, like goal setting. We've done all those. Go and look at the earlier podcasts beyond those, but in terms of like the science of what exercise does uh when you to like alleviate certain um like bad feelings or feelings of low mood, there's like a few things that play into it. The first one is the effect you have on the immune system. The second thing is you've effect on the physiology of the human body and you've an effect on the psychology. Uh it's Crazy to see how, sim- so all of these are hypotheses, right? Most of the time you're dealing with any kind of scientific principle like gerf as you'll know, it's like the dynamic body weight hypothesis. People, doesn't matter how many positive papers there are about it, doesn't matter how big the, the groups are, it's always just a hypothesis because you're not going to be able to like delve into anything that deeply. Like you just get a hypothesis that continues to be proven, 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 more and more and more. Are you reject the null hypothesis 40 times you can never actually prove something but in general like a lot of the stuff around exercise and mental health is like reduced system system reduced overall inflammation so like uh your ability to handle inflammation gets better when you exercise like as you know when you exercise your inflammatory markers go way up because you might have caused some damage or you've uh like opened up some area or you've started utilizing certain lipid streams which need inflammation to happen uh so first one you've ability to reduce inflammation which is good for your mental health you have some stuff that's happening between the gut and the brain which like in terms of vagal tone like that's all in intertwined with inflammatory again like your immune response so you doing more exercise allows you to react to inflammation more which makes you better at dealing with inflammation when it happens from other areas there's a lot of stuff around fat cells um and like it's so hard to comment on fat cells now right because every fucking thing on the internet is like you shouldn't be fat shaming people but like a lot of the research there just says that having a lot of fat makes you more likely to die in more ways, uh, so having having larger fat cells. What,
1: why why would your body not dying not affect your mental health? Yeah. You know?
0: <laughs> but like a lot of this stuff is like your stress response or being having heightened stress responses or being constantly in an inflammatory mode makes your mental health worse, and that's what a lot of the stuff that around exercise that deals with it. Most of the immune response stuff and the physiology stuff deals heavily with that and like go and watch the video if you want to hear some of it Uh mTOR Garf, is one thing that comes up frequently in the literature Um an increased mTOR making your mental health better which like all the fucking bros fuck? all the bros listening to this are like yeah buddy I fucking knew it <laughs> uh, is it, really?
1: it associated like they elevated that's funny
0: yeah it's elevated pretty heavily like uh there's a really good quote on mTOR like, I have the paper here and we just have a look for it
1: mTOR for people listening is either the mechanistic target of rapamycin or the mammalian target of rapamycin so it's like one of the key controllers it's of you know anabolic and catabolic processes you know it's involved in them really heavily um upstream from a lot of them so it's you know they've done stuff and for like it's broken down into two complexes in you know like you'd get mTOR one or mTOR two so it's mTOR complex one or mTOR complex two in your body and they're they're separately and kind of intertwined involved in so much uh, a vast array of things you know and it comes into play when you're exercising like if you if you remove like mTOR mTORC1 production or something from rats they won't build any muscle and stuff like that so that's why mTOR kind of comes into play with uh, exercise it also comes into play with like longevity and people are um, you know cell proliferation people fear and I think incorrectly so but, uh, well obviously I'm just a fucking pleb but people fear that it could you know, you're you're expanding your life faster and shit like that. And a lot of like life extending see, um gurus, I won't call them experts, just gurus will talk about like reducing or minimizing the amount of mTOR you take and you know limiting protein to the bare minimum. Whereas like muscle tissue has been undoubtedly shown to keep you alive longer because it does it does shit for you. Like <laughs> you know so it's like doesn't have to like but that's why mTOR would be something that's interesting. That's why it's related to mental health.
0: Yeah, and the cool thing with mTOR as well, like once I started reading this, <clears throat> this is an area when I was like actually doing my academics I was never really interested in, so I wouldn't have done like auxiliary study. But I was looking up um, positive mental health associated with uh, hormonal replacement therapy. And they actually reckon that like, because guys are like fucking doing mini blasts all the time with uh, with their TRT, that they're actually just getting positive mental effects from it. And it's not just that they're jacked and feel great. Uh, that mm-hmm. they could actually have a, a psychological component to it. But, right, so I'm just going to read this quote, right? In particular, the drug ketamine glutamate NMDA antagonist, which is used in the treatment of depression, acts by enhancing mTOR signaling and thus harnessing its antidepressant effect, which is fucking mental because most people will know ketamine before. as a that party actually... drug. <laughs> hey,
1: that's insane. I've never heard of that before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: that that's that's why MTOR is such an interest to a lot of researchers because it's just involved in fucking so many different things. Like they they wouldn't all be mapped or, or even a percentage to them. Like so, it's very interesting. The stuff like that is come, you know, that that it's even involved in that.
0: Yeah, and that's like to be honest with when, when you're looking at literature for for stuff like this, like that's the stuff I like commenting on, or like things that will mirror the same effect as an SSRI, like SSRIs are uh selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors and it's a very common thing that people would take for the treatment of depression um and they basically look at like okay what does an ssri do how can we mirror that with a an intervention treatment and in this case it was with exercise like they're legit you know that that's not like uh Mm -hmm. that's not like polling 100 people and getting some people to uh to chant in the mornings like we take the piss out of chanting but there's actually studies not on chanting um no way. chanting in the morning and then doing uh, another battery of tests and then like certain tests certain tests will be like very blunt or very insensitive to change you know and then they'll just use them in a paper and it's like yeah fucking chanting is great uh so yeah i just thought that was an interesting little uh an interesting little note
1: You know, someone on like performance psychology. You know, who'd be a, not a gold mine, but who'd be a great example of that. Something that is lose Jun. You know, they coming hard, coming fast, and coming for a long time is our <laughs> by loser. You know what I mean? He is. Hmm. Uh, he's thirty. So actually, you know, fucking what? So this is a tangent, but it's 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 relevant. Is that your man Kazakhstani lifter who beat him in twenty sixteen with the outrageous clean and jerk who broke the world record by three kilos, which had stood for. A decade and a half of that climate that many people have tried to break and he broke it by four kilos. Um uh, shocker, he wasn't related to performance enhancing drugs. Dum dum dum. No. So they reckon he's he swapped his piss, which I think is a bit suspect. I think they're just trying to catch him. I don't think I don't know if that's even true. Like obviously I'm not saying he wasn't in drugs, but I'd be very surprised if the piss swapping thing worked, you know, in uh in Rio in twenty sixteen when I'm at least being drug tested. I, I, I suspect someone is just um Barbecuing him, someone is hanging him out to dry, you know, and uh it's interesting. But how's I can answer that? Oh yeah so Lou might be so he's a gold in London, a gold in he will have a gold in Rio, and then he might be one of the, he might be the fifth ever weightlifter who'll have three goals at the Olympics if he wins in Tokyo this year. It's fucking it mental. There's some fucking spot performance psychology. Yeah, and you'd love to like.
0: I've noticed that I always be like, jeez, I'd love to do a semi-structured interview series with him. You know <laughs> but like, that's, that's literally what I'd love stash. to do. Like, uh, Yeah, yeah. And Jeez, uh, um, it'd be so interesting, wouldn't it?
1: You know, what would be more interesting is how would if his career played out if he never took drugs, which is, I think would be, a, it's a legitimate question. Yeah. You know, if we all want to go it, like, what, how did his career develop? How didn't it develop? Did he get an extra, would he have even been on the international stage? Probably not. But how many extra years like he probably got feasibly an extra he's getting seven or eight extra years probably could have maybe who knows what he's getting out of you know taking performance enhancing drugs obviously something you'll never know and obviously something like China but that will never come out of China but um, it, judging by how many people are defensive of Lou with some of the comments we made in our reaction video <laughs> Fucking it's, hell. Uh, it's funny but he's um, th- that would be resilience I'm under the impression like yeah prolonged strategic or response to suffering or whatever so yeah. Of, um t- 20 I don't know probably 30 years of suffering
0: absolutely yeah and like the key um the key cornerstone of resilience So it, it's like uh like bounce back ability is something people always talk about but it's like bouncing back in a positive way to uh negative stimulus uh so you you have the example of like anti resilience is somebody who uh, okay somebody tears a bit of their hamstring during a game they're like no no I'm going to keep playing I'm going to keep playing and then they tear their whole hamstring Uh, and people think like oh my god how resilient was that and like mm-hmm. being resilient to that would be like I'm going to come off the field now I'm going to rehab I'm going to get way better and I'll play again next week whereas like that's that's a display of grit rather than a, discri- a display of resilience whereas Lou every time there's like something negative happens seems to not do anything stupid, seems to recover from the injury incredibly well and comes back stronger every time. Like, he is the embodiment of what physical resilience would be and obviously mental resilience would have to come along with that to a certain point because not many people in their mid-30s want to be, like, training as hard as he has to be training.
1: He would be... um I would say a lot of that is related to the culture too, I'd imagine. So mm-hmm. I'd say like a lot of his kind of resilience would have developed from his culture. I'd imagine that kind of, you know, uh, sacrifice for state kind of, you know, he says, you've seen a lot of recent interviews with him. He says he just loves training and he doesn't want to stop training. And obviously, so he's getting extreme enjoyment from it. And there's like so many different kind of factors into play there. But then, you know, like you're saying, the difference between resilience and great grit is training for five years, and not making progress, where resilience is, progressing and dealing with issues as they come up but being smart about it yeah obviously he's like a great system like he's internally motivated and then he's got that system supporting him and he's kind of developing you know he's like he is who he is right now and he doesn't seem to be stopping by the looks of things yeah another great example of an athlete is uh you, you know who mark felix is yeah he is the. i think i think mark felix is 50 i was just trying to see what his age is there he's still sitting like random world records and strongman and still competing and stuff is he fuck like i didn't in... think he was still on the scene holy fuck he is 54 six foot four and 140 kilos and he is still <laughs> yeah he was in 20 he qualified for World 2020 world's strongest man his first one was in 2007 and he qualified every year since that 2007 to 2020 um holy fucking shit yeah what a man there's um it's, it's grip things you should see, he's put ha- your hands to shame, for <laughs> I like, not to... Uh,
0: this sounds bad, right? But this, not to be shitting on Wen, right? But the mental tenacity mm-hmm. to be literally putting yourself through that amount of degradation every single... Like, every single training cycle. Like, the health risk, the fucking just out and out pain you have to deal with on a daily basis you'd have to imagine like just being uncomfortable all the fucking time what weight is he 170 kilos
1: 140 kilos he's pretty fucking lean in fairness to him
0: yeah but like that's still not comfortable to walk around with that amount of drugs you have to take every week cannot be good like Mm -hmm. that's he must be a tough motherfucker
1: he he doesn't look 54 either he looks like no fucking in his 30s. It's unbelievably impressive. Um, I, I saw... I was at 25th... Mm, I was at the strongest man. It was strong, Europe's strongest man. And it was the... The, the deadlift World Championships is what they call it. So like... Haftor Bjornsson was there. Eddie Hall was there. Brian Shaw was there. Um, what's his name? Misha Clive was there. Mark Felix was there. It was so funny. Every second one of them got injured doing a deadlift, like ever someone tore a hamstring or a bicep just randomly like not getting injured was the name of the game and you didn't have to So that was the deadlift for championships and then they went on to do the European strongest man and to obviously won that, but it was yeah. fucking It's yeah. funny like everyone is just getting injured in the warm up or on the actual platform. Like
0: Yeah, it's fucking crazy, isn't
1: it? Yeah. Um just their ability
0: to handle is- pain is like must be astronomical.
1: Um, but on topic, I think, you know, that's probably just going to have something to think about, I'd say, you know, something to be aware of. Yeah. Some people do suffer heavily for mental health and some people aren't helping them, even though I think they are helping them and potentially making things worse. Yeah. So, like there is a case, obviously, for making mental health more acceptable to talk about and, you know, making it more comfortable for people to address their mental health issues. But they they're not addressing them to your favorite Instagram influencer.
0: Yeah, and like that destigmatization is important, but let's just fucking leave it at that. And uh, if anyone does have any issues, go to your GP yeah. or your family doctor. Uh, that is the like the elevation or how you'd elevate something like that here. Uh, in different countries, it might be different, but it's very, very important you get help from a qualified practitioner. And, and don't try and like self-diagnose or self-treat. Um, there's loads of people out there who can actually help.
1: I can only imagine the havoc the last year has wrecked on people's mental health. Yeah. And maybe people who never had mental health issues prior to this.
0: Absolutely. Or they might have had um, some symptoms that will pop up every so often and they might have had coping strategies or um, ways of dealing with those things that were always sufficient. And then like obviously lack of uh, lack of social interaction can have huge impact. Um, lack of like previously pleasurable activities like taking like those things away from people can really really negatively affect people's moods uh so it is important just Mm -hmm. to know that like there is help out there you can get and that you just have to make sure we're going to the right place and don't kind of don't feel bad for needing any of that help you just need to um you just need to be proactive in going about getting it
1: not to say no i'm the the gold standard of mental stability. But <laughs> as I said last week, I was like this lock, this third lockdown is pretty grim. And one of the lads Bean, said, you know, it's pretty bad if I'm saying that. So, you know, I, I can only imagine what state some people might be in, in terms of having problems. Like I, I fucking would fear for some people. Like,
0: yeah, like I'd have to echo being sentiment there is that uh gurf <laughs> is pretty much the same like the same potato that Garf always is, you know. Like, there's a lot of people, and you meet them some days, or if it's like early in the morning, and their fucking mood will be all over the place. Like, I've seen Garf in an altered mood state. I'd say <laughs> three times ever, and to give you context, like myself and Garf basically live in each other's pockets all the time, and we have done for the last number of years. Like, you know, it, it there's a rare, there's not a day really where we're not speaking to each other. Most days we're like. 30 centimeters apart working at the same desk and Gurf's mood state is fucking constant it's never too excited (laughs) it's never too low if there's a problem the problem gets sorted if there's a really big happy brilliant thing like hits a pv that's really big and happy for 30 minutes and then after he's put it on instagram it's back to the usual happiness (laughs) (laughs) yeah like it's he's like the embodiment of homeostasis and never deviates too far out from it and like garf you have definitely this lockdown has been so different from the last lockdowns in terms of like how it's affected you yeah uh yeah it's so funny mm. you're literally mono mood <laughs> oh.
1: like i wouldn't say like the fucking like i wouldn't say i'm suffering from the lockdown but like you it must be a knowledge that it, it's fucking shit like so it, it's this it's a If you have issues, like, I would say definitely, like, if you think you have, like, fucking go get after it, like, go address it if some way possible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, Thanks for listening. If you want to see some of the modalities that exercise works um, or how exercise might work to help alleviate symptoms of mental health issues, the link to the YouTube video is below. Uh, Go check that out. It can be fairly dense in certain places uh, in terms of, like, the terminology and all that shit, but hopefully people will find some value in it
1: can't wait to see it